Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. We are recording in a haunted home. Uh, <laughs> well, it's kind of haunted. It's my sister's house and she's not here. So we're haunting it. We're haunting it. I am today going to talk about the ghosts of Martha's Vineyard. Speaking of beach towns. Yes. Nice. Have you ever been there? No, but I hear it's beautiful. I've heard it's just gorgeous and a lovely place for a lot of people to vacation, especially in the summer. Yeah. It's where the wealthy go, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I hear. The wealthy of the New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to the locals, if you ask about ghosts or hauntings, they will say, of course, the entire island and probably every building is haunted. Cool. Some of the stories I'm retelling are from local ghost hunting enthusiast, Holly Nadler. Nah, I like her name. I know. <laughs> who also owns a little bookstore on the island. She has authored several books regarding some of the most popular ghost stories and sightings she's heard and witnessed herself. She sounds like she's living the life I should be living. I know. Doesn't it sound so picturesque? Yes. I have a little bookstore. A little bookshop. I lead in a ghost quaint, hunting. In a quaint haunted yeah. New England town. Where all the wealthy and famous come. And I just hang out here and I live my life and I sip my peppermint tea and I talk about ghosts. Right. And she also leads a ghost hunting tour in the evenings. Wow. I'd like to go and do that. I know. We got to meet her. I will post all her books in the credits. Um, A lot of my stories did come from her books. And then there's also some great stories from author Thomas Dresser, which I have also included in the credits if you'd like to read their books. Yay. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Mm -hmm. So a little bit about the history. So we know that um, the history of Martha's Vineyard has been always steeped in many hardships, especially it's a sailor's uh, type you know, abode, right. You know, perishing out by the rocky shores. And back in the early seventies, they were haunted by that big, great white shark. I don't remember that. Jaws. Was there? Oh, oh, that's Jaws, right. Jaws, I believe, was shot oh, at Martha's right. Vineyard, right? It was shot yeah, yeah, at Martha's yeah. Vineyard. Yeah, so they had to deal with that damn shark. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you always hear the stories of the suicidal widows who leap to their death when their seafaring husbands don't return. They did that in um, Tacoma, too. Remember the um, Tacoma High School? Yeah. yeah. Where the football lady yeah, 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 yeah. The jumped football to her death. With a, with a football under her arm. <laughs> Whenever there's a cliff and you're staring at the ocean. Yeah, it just draws you in. Yeah. Especially if, you, if you're a woman. If you're, if you're a woman and your husband's a sailor and he's left you, probably for another woman, but he's left you and you think he's at sea. You just throw yourself right in. Right. So move away. Move away. If he's gone. Move to the Midwest where there's no oceans to throw yourself into. Yeah. So this place really does have a reputation of being a place of deep mystery and lore. One early resident of the vineyard was Edwin Vanderhoop, who built his home overlooking the shoreline in the 1890s. He served a term as a representative of the Massachusetts legislature in 1888. The site has over the years had a reputation for being very haunted. The property has become a cultural center and has had original photographs and art displayed on the walls, along with old books and other artifacts original to the home. One resident, Amy Coffey, tells visitors 
that as long as you respect the property, you won't be harassed by any spirits. Hmm. So, and she feels the ghosts are generally benefic and mean no harm. Yeah. She spent four summers living at the Vanderhoop homestead and describes hearing guests in the home when she knew there was nobody in the home at the time. Oh, wow. Hmm. She describes hearing footsteps climbing up the stairs at night. And one time she felt a hug. A real solid bear hug, not one of those side hug wimpy things. Have you ever been hugged by a ghost? I have not. So she tells the story of one of the Vanderhoop's children who died in a sudden freak accident on the property. Elizabeth Vanderhoop was only four years old when she was playing about the yard and stepped on an iron manhole cover that was hiding an old cistern below. Huh. Do you know the difference between a cistern and a well? I don't. So a cistern holds and collects water okay. for storage. Okay. A well actually you can it, it connects to a spring that you can actually pull up out of the ground. Pull up off the ground. It's also an excellent place for putting dead bodies. Okay, so she steps on this, you know, manhole cover, um, and the cover cracked in such a way that she just fell right through, landing in about four feet of water. Okay. But because she was so little, four feet of water is actually pretty could be her height almost. And she's four? Yeah, she's only four years old. So yeah, she's probably drowning then maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's kind of, I'm thinking it would be really hard for her to keep her head above water. So according to the local newspaper article of the incident, some men of the Coast Guard was flagged over to help get the child out of the water. They dangled a long rope down to her to grab, but the child was too injured. Maybe she hit her head on the way down, um, but she couldn't hang on to the rope. She was so exhausted from trying that she ended up letting go of the rope and drowning. Oh, So nobody crawled down there to get her. Well, they did finally find a way to get her out of the water. But by the time they tried to revive her, she was already dead. Hmm. Well, people who are familiar with the property say the grass will never grow around the old cistern where the little girl drowned. Hmm. Which, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it just won't grow there. Yeah. There's also a strange portrait of the little girl and her mother that has survived over the years. In the image, the little girl's hand is twisted as if clutching a rope. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Well, it used to be custom for people to pose as a family with dead loved ones as a lasting final memory. You think that was her dead? I do. Ooh. Oh. I do. They would do that, especially they if did. children yeah. was taken prematurely from them. Yeah. They would want to preserve the last moments with that child. And a lot of times those pictures, like if nobody told me. You wouldn't be able to tell. No, because they have their eyes open and they put, they style their hair. They look normal. Yeah, it's very strange. Well, Karen Coffey feels the hug that she received that day was from the ghost of that little girl, which is really sweet. So it was only up to like her knee or something? No, I mean, that's a good point, but she must have been floating in the oh, air and hugged okay. her. Oh. That's kind of how I envision it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I I picture a small ghost child at the, like, maybe hip length or something. Yeah, maybe maybe she was standing on the kitchen table or something being naughty. Maybe. Could you imagine the fun you'd have as Get a toddler? Get off that countertop right I'd now. I'd be jumping on the mattresses <laughs> all the time. Nobody can stop me. I'm a ghost now. So other people claim to also see the girl appearing in mirrors on the residence. Oh. And one summer, Karen was staying with two other roommates and a restaurant worker and a female police officer who was hired for the, there's extra visitors that always come to the island in the summer. So everybody beefs up employment uh-huh. during that time. Yeah. And well, they always made sure the doors were locked by 2 a.m. But one morning they woke up to find all the doors were unlocked. Right. That same summer, Karen said she walked into her room 
and found everything she had on her dresser knocked off onto the floor. Oh. It was, that was probably the cat. Because it was also <laughs> reported that the dog and cat that resided there simultaneously lost their balance and took a hard tumble down the staircase. And that's not normal. Like a cat no. usually will always land on its feet. So for it to mm-hmm. tumble downstairs, except for the one cat, have you seen that cat on TikTok? That when you put it, it's it's got it lives in a house with a staircase, and the stairs are made of like wood. There's no rug, and so when he goes down the stairs, he just lays down and he like falls down them like a waterfall. Oh, he like slides he down. He slides him. down them like sh- <laughs> head and shoulders and his body, and then he goes to the next step and he goes down again. It's really it's pretty so cute. cute. And he looks like he's giving himself a back rub, and he's just having the best time. Aww. It's really adorable. The roommates also claim that the piano would play by itself. And one time the cop also saw an apparition of the little girl outside when she came home. But at first she thought it was Karen. But after coming into the house, realized, no, Karen was already in her room asleep for the night. Oh, huh. So it wasn't her. Yeah, cool. And uh, Karen must be really short. (laughs) Or maybe she was floating again. (laughs) Maybe. Another popular establishment called the Kelly House Hotel has many ghost stories from the workers who have lived on the property. The Kelly House also had a pub on the ground floor of the hotel established in 1742 called The News of America. Oh, cool. They call it The News for short. Yeah. Well, um, the author, Thomas Dresser, interviewed the bartender, Jeff, who worked there for a couple years, and confirmed along with the manager that many of the patrons and locals insisted that the ghost stories about this place were true. Mm-hmm. Jeff personally experienced paranormal activity and claimed there's one incident he just refuses to discuss. But one time he said he woke up and saw fistfuls of dark, long strands of hair on his bed sheets. Ooh. I know, that's gross. Considering he has short blonde hair... Um, that's going to tie into my story later. That means somebody else was in bed with him. That's fun. Or the maid service didn't come when they should have or something. But that's still creepy. That's very creepy. One time he said he left his door open and a few moments later, the door just slammed on its own. Yeah. So that's creepy too. Another employee said she witnessed wine glasses flying off the bar and crashing onto the floor and neither she nor the bartender was near them when it happened. The glasses, she said, flew more than eight feet out over the bar, which is just impossible if the shelf was bumped. It would would just come crashing straight down. Yeah, yeah. Now, it seems the paranormal activity is seasonal. So it doesn't happen during the summer. Just during October? No, I know. It it seems to start right around the holiday seasons, like Thanksgiving through. Oh, so not even Halloween. I don't know. I think maybe maybe towards the end of of, October. Yeah, maybe maybe Halloween on. Okay. Yeah. But especially at Christmas time. Huh. Um, and many have witnessed like tampering with with the decorations and things like that. One time uh, there was an ornament displayed as part of a Christmas wreath, uh-huh. and it just fell off. It rolled around, bounced, changed directions, and then shot off, oh, wow. rolling again before it finally came to a stop. Oh, wow. So it was like, you know, boom, boom, but like a mind of its own. Right, right. And they said that at an end of a long night, um, they usually have the fire going, but it it dies down as they're getting ready to close. Mm-hmm. Well... They're sitting there and suddenly the fireplace would just roar back to life with these huge flames and heat. Oh, wow. And the bartender said it was as if someone was adding kindling or stoking the fire. Right. And many or throwing ge- alcohol on there. Oh, right. <sighs> right. Yeah, and yeah. many guests that have lingered there have also seen it. They've been amazed by the experience. 
a lot of times they just would say, well, someone's refusing the last call. Right. They're yeah. like, oh, hell no, you're not closing. <laughs> We're staying open till 4 a.m. one more drink. <laughs> closing time. Yeah, one of the wait staff said her most memorable incident was seeing Helen, the ghost of a sea captain's wife. She said her bedroom is where the sea captain used to sleep years ago. The story is that Helen was always waiting for her husband to return home from a sea voyage. Yeah. Damn but of it. course, he had never it. returned. So she had to throw herself into the sea. <laughs> Maybe. but Sacrifice herself to Aquaman. I don't know if she committed suicide, but, <laughs> but it says that she is sometimes seen standing by the fireplace in a blue dress. And it's thought that she's the one that's responsible for all the paranormal activities around Christmas. Oh, so she must have really liked Christmas. Maybe she was really mad. She was like, you're missing Christmas again? <laughs> Socks. I don't get to Not spend Christmas bells. with you. Not Jingle Bells one more time. No. <laughs> Just no. I can't be happy at this time no. of year. Yeah, one time an employee who stayed in her room told her that he was really freaked out when he saw the ghost lady opening the bedroom door, and then closing it. The general manager, Robin, said there's another ghostly entity of a little boy. Hmm. He often plays with a ball that she can hear bouncing against the wall at oh, night. Oh, wow. So, you know, it seems like some of these ghosts are harmless, but still it's yeah. eerie yeah. to, like, hear this going on. Yeah. One time they put golden candlesticks on the mantle above the fireplace for Christmas, but commented that Helen probably would not like it. And as if on cue... All the candlesticks fell off the mantle and onto the floor. Oh, wow. Huh. And she was right then. Helen didn't like it. Helen doesn't like Just that. swipe all those candlesticks She's like, oh, down. hell no. Nope. We don't have candlesticks up here. Hell no. So the hotel is also the home for other departed guests. One worker, Esther, who lived in the hotel for about 20 years, said back in 2004, she had a really bizarre run-in with a ghost. She was in her room and a strange man who was bald... <laughs> I love the fact she she says he's strange because he's bald, you know, or he's just a stranger who's bald. Yes. And he came through her door and ignored her as he headed into the bathroom. Mm, that's well, a little weird. Well, when you got to go, you got to go, right? You're not going to have a conversation with somebody. Right. But Esther said as soon as she heard the water turn on, after a few minutes, she got curious. So she got up to check in the bathroom. <laughs> Sir, I think you have the wrong room. Sir, do you want a towel? Please, please use a towel before. Before you leave, I really don't want to see you. If you're bald up there, who knows? Um, you're bald everywhere else. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, when she went to go look, he had vanished, of course, but um, she noticed that there was sand all over the floor by the shower. Oh, really? Isn't that freaky? So he came in from the beach. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Huh. Another worker also saw this man enter her hotel room from across the hall. Huh. So after she was telling the story, he goes, oh, I saw that guy. So do you think he drowned and thought that he survived and came back to the hotel? I kind of think it was just some guy that had to use a shower really quick. And he's like, I don't want to pay for a hotel room. This Let me door, see if I can just sneak in really open. quick. I'll just go in here and use her bathroom. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the fact that there was like real sand is just... It's weird to yeah, me. Yeah. It probably is a ghost, though. But <laughs> I will say it's a ghost. So one night while she's lying on her bed watching television, the channels start flipping back and forth without her using the remote. Nice. That's super freaky. Yeah. I've heard that happening before. Yeah. I think electronics are easy for them to manipulate. manipulate. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, this hotel also has 
a guest log and there's travel reviews from guests who have resided at the hotel. One guest said that they stayed one night at the hotel back in October of 2014, mm-hmm. but they cut their stay short on the account of seeing the ghost lady in their room. So I guess she does make an appearance yeah. around Halloween. Oh, cool. I like that. Yeah. So the hotel tried to comp them a free lunch and, you know, change their stay to another room, but they said, oh, hell no, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Not. <laughs> right. So many of the ghosts I read in these books, they weren't vengeful ghosts or terrifying phantoms that drive people to just, you know, abandon their homes. Yeah. But I did find one particular location of a home on the island where a dark presence is felt by many of the visitors who come to rent the home. Hmm. Um, author Nadler won't give away the exact location in her book, Haunted Island, but does describe it enough that those who are persistent to try could probably find it. Good job, Holly. (laughs) I love this author. (laughs) Right up my alley. Nice. She states that the house is pretty grand in size and sits on a well-maintained ground of several acres. It has blue trim with gray shingles and all kinds of gothic windows, making the home stand out in its uniqueness to the other vacation homes located nearby. That's how I would decorate my house if I had one. With gothic windows. Totally. I already have a vision of a white house with a bright burnt orange door. So every Halloween, it would be easy to decorate. You just throw some black um, gothic-y stuff up there and some cool pumpkins, and it's like Halloween. I might have it up all year round. I'm not sure yet, but you just have it constantly there as a reminder that Halloween is either just past or is coming. I love it. I do too. I would love to have a Cape Cod home. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I, I would make my door red. Because red is auspicious. Oh. And it's pretty. It, and you can, it's also you the can color make it Christmas fresh. and it could still be like that orangey it red. Could, so it could kind yeah, of make it be a for Halloween. both hol- holidays. I think the most holidays. The intelligent people are the ones that decorate their house at Halloween in the nightmare before Christmas because they can leave it up through Christmas. <laughs> if you think about it, I'm like, that's pretty right. smart. It you is. You can decorate for Halloween and Christmas and you leave your decorations up for three months. There is a presence that resides there haunting the house and it causes many tragic events, influencing moods with fear and depression for those long-term residents who try to stay in the home. One local resident, Caitlin McCauley, said as a child when she would walk by the home, it would always cause her so much fear, she would end up taking another route just to avoid passing by the property. Wow. You know, I used to go by a house like that that used to freak me out too. Really? Yeah. In Colorado or in Oregon? In Colorado. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. We'd always assume a witch lived there. What was the backstory behind the house? It just was creepy. It just was looked abandoned. Mm. Um, you never would really see anybody go in and out. And then there were stories that this old lady that was mean lived there. Probably. And then everybody was like, I dare you to go there on Halloween. Was her yard all overgrown? Yes. Yeah. And like great. sometimes the neighbors would be like, we should have a cleaning up party where we go and you know, help clean up her yard, but she wasn't. And then wasn't. she chases him out with a broom. Yeah. You kids, get off my porch. But I don't it, want my yard cleaned up. Yeah, it never it never happened, though. But it I, was, I picture it was the shutters were falling off her windows and there were cobwebs <laughs> everywhere and a creaky front door that would just flap <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> Love so, that. Love it. It's, it's a great sight to see. So that's kind of how I imagine this, although they said, you know, the property is really well groomed. 
So it huh. doesn't have the creep factor quite like no. my neighbors did. So is it creepier to go into a house that looks pristine and you don't know is haunted? Or is it creepier to go into a house that looks haunted but maybe isn't? I don't know. Because visually your brain is setting you up for a scare. But if you go into just a normal house, you're not expecting anything. Well, the thing is, if it's scary looking, you're going to imagine things. I would think it'd you're going to still more make scary. it haunted. Yeah. I think it'd be more scary to go into the house that presents as haunted versus the house that is like, no, I'm cool. Come come in my door. There is yeah. a ghost here. Right. It's probably a demon. But don't worry. I look good on the outside. I know. I know. When I was house hunting for my house, my daughter came with me and we were looking at houses to buy. And there was one house we walked up and there was this humongous spider in a web. She goes, oh, no, we're not. We're, this, this, this is not going to be considered. I go, I go, well, it's just a spider. She goes, that means something. There's more of them. There's more there's, where that came from. There's, I don't like the energy coming from this house. So we, we didn't, didn't you know, there's, consider it. There's a whole family of baby spiders that live in the basement. Probably. That's right. Yeah. I know I have them where mm, I live. And me too. So, well, she said that these stories told about the place doesn't surprise her at all. Um, because she said there's local people to the island that feel a certain doom, not only her around this property, she tells of one summer a quiet man who had rented the place and decided to spontaneously take a kitchen knife and just run across the grounds to his neighbors where a group of college-aged women were vacationing and attacked the first woman he encountered. What? Yeah, I'm trying to imagine like what would make him go into a rage like that. But Do you they, have a mental break? I don't know, but they managed to tackle him to the ground and he was arrested. A few years later, a group of young people decided to rent the place, but noticed one of the guys was growing more and more introverted and he would spend many hours alone in his room, which was located on the second floor. Several of the youths tried to encourage him to come out and would oftentimes hear furniture being dragged around his room. Oh, wow. Curious, they tried to see his uh, room from the outside window and noticed that the furniture was being stacked in a line from the door heading to the window. Uh -huh. Well, when the last piece of furniture was placed, they said he climbed along the path of the furniture and jumped out the window. Oh, wow. The good news was he survived the fall. Oh. But he was taken into treatment for psychiatric say, issues. Did he break his legs on the way down or when he hit? Yeah, I don't know, but the details weren't weren't anything but he lived you know but do you think he was possessed by the ghost that lives in the house yeah i think i think it has an atmosphere that causes psychological changes well they say ghosts when it's a bad haunting create a lot of depression and maybe he was really depressed yeah it said that his personality completely changed wow. um even animals were said to have come under its dark spell one time a couple had an elderly dog and lived year-round on the island they were taking a stroll by the property when a Rottweiler came bounding out of the yard, tore his teeth into the underbelly of their little pet dog, oh. and caused a gash that required 78 stitches. Oh. Kayla McCauley also told a story about her sister Fiona, who started a relationship with a young man who had leased this property for the winter. After a short time in the home, the man who didn't seem to have a drinking problem when they first met soon became a constant nasty drunk even going so far as assaulting her sister. Oh, wow. Fiona decided to end the relationship, but afterwards the man was found dead in the kitchen of the home with a gunshot wound to his head. Oh. 
snapped. No, uh, apparent, <laughs> apparently a suicide. Yeah, so, apparently. You know, again, another. <laughs> we know what really happened there. Yeah. So they really do have a succession of stories where people's mental outlook has, you know, rapidly Changed. declined. De- yeah. Yep. Yeah. And not much is known about the history of the home. So it's really hard to know why it has this effect on the residents. Mm. I say it's the windows. The gothic windows. They were portals and they let the spirits in. Maybe. I mean, you know, on the dead files, Amy Allen says these this house is near a portal. I mean, it could be something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my favorite story, though, on this island is that of the Daggett house. And I will mention the location, located at 59 in Water Street in Edgartown, Massachusetts. Mm. Samuel Daggett built the salt box home between the years 1746 and 1758. What's a salt box home? I knew you were going to ask me that. It's the type of construction. Okay. And it's just called a salt box home. It's like a kind of boxy. Okay. And then they sprinkle salt all around the... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I was believing you. I was like, really? They sprinkle salt everywhere? How awesome. (laughs) (laughs) To keep the demons out. We put salt everywhere. We put... We can call it a salt box That's awesome. This was built between the years 1746 and 1758. Uh, historians say he was married to Anna Bushnell, who was a Native American, and it was rumored this was the exact site of the first Thanksgiving, involving her extended family and the Daggett family. Oh, wow. A distant relative of the Daggetts, who was researching this history of the Daggett house, read about that historic event being located there in an old article from the Vineyard Gazette. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That is. Yeah. It was said that the small building was also the first tavern on Martha's Vineyard to sell beer and ale. Um, one thing I learned is that a lot of these properties had to have a pub associated with it. Oh, it was really? a thing that <laughs> you had to provide, you know, food, lodging, and ale. Yeah. Like, isn't that cool? That is cool. Throughout the years, the home also became a customs house, a boarding house for sailors, a grocery store, and during a short time when whaling was popular, a counting house. I knew you were going to ask me that. Count the whales? Is that what happens? A counting house is, I think, is like a bank where they count count the money from the whaling. Oh, okay. Okay. From the money. That makes sense. It makes more sense than you would go and count whales because how many whales are you really counting? You're not catching that many whales out there. If I'm wrong and it's not a bank, you know, that's fine. But (laughs) I think it's, I think that's what it is. Okay. It was discovered that there was a secret room built leading from a hidden door by the fireplace. Mm. I love stuff like this. Did you have to like move a book and then the door would open? Yeah, I'm going to describe this. So one of the descendants of Samuel, Captain Thomas Daggett, acquired the property and in 1801 had converted the pub back into a private residence. Mm. This is where the crazy tales start. It was said he would lock his children away in room eight, which is the secret room as a deserved punishment for them. Room eight. Room eight. That would be a great name for a horror film, right? I know. It's scary. Yeah. One tale told is that his bride would keep herself hidden in that room while her husband was away at sea to keep her virtuous self protected from all the young men on the island who (laughs) might make advances on her while her husband was gone. So the secret latch to the door can be found in a bookshelf by the fireplace. And once inside, there's a set of wooden steps circling up to another door and a second set of stairs finally ending in a small bedroom. When the home was later turned into a bed and breakfast, 
Guests would claim to hear crying from room number eight. Mm. But upon investigation, nobody would be found. And they would rent this room out. How fun would that be? So then would the parents like stay in the room and then their kids get locked up in the, in the room in the back in the, you know, in the creepy room? I don't know. <laughs> but I would think it'd be a real romantic place. Like if you're a newlywed, we'll just rent room number eight. I guess that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> there is a strange story, though, that a traveler had rented out the secret room and was seen opening the latch, climbing up the stairs, but was never seen or heard from again. Hmm. The only thing left in the room was his baggage. Not hmm. suspicious. Wonder where he went. I know. Wait staff who would work in the kitchen would report feeling their skirt tugged as if a small child wanted their attention. There's a couple stories involving a girl. So one story was that a train that passed by the Daggett house had a little girl traveling with her parents. When she saw the house, she started crying, exclaiming she wanted to visit that house. The next stop for the train was quite a distance from the house, but the little girl insisted on going back. When they finally reached the home, the girl went inside and told her parents she was Anna Bushnell, the wife of Samuel Daggett. What? Yes, and she said she'd previously lived in the home. Really? There's also a second story very similar involving another girl who was also visiting the area, and she took off running across the town towards the Daggett house. Mm. After she went inside and her parents caught up with her, she was seen in the former parlor room examining all the furniture and artifacts of the antiques and collection donated by Dana Wells for visitors touring the home. She was heard saying, oh good, they've arranged the furniture just as it should be. Everyone hearing the story was mystified because when the collection of furniture was willed to the Henry Ford Society, the old lady Dana Wells only had one request, that the furniture be arranged specifically as she wished. Mm. So those are cool, huh? Yeah, that is cool. When people visited the Daggett Inn, they would often talk of a famous photograph that was taken by a group of fashion stylists from New York who were staying at the inn. A photographer started snapping pictures of the beautiful dining hall and fireplace, but upon developing the pictures back in New York, noticed that in one of his pictures, he could see a face of two young boys or a boy and a dog peering out of the fire. Because, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of random. Yeah. So, like... I don't know if that's a second boy or a dog. That's kind of sad. It's like, is that a second phase or a dog phase? Yeah. But anyway, they see things in the fire. And it's, I've seen this photograph. It's, it's pretty cool. Hmm. So the famous photograph was enlarged and hung on a wall for all the guests to see when visiting the inn. But sadly, the bed and breakfast was sold in the early 2000s to a couple who made it their private residence. So, you know, the property is not accessible anymore to the public. But I'm going to put the picture of the mysterious faces in the yeah. fire on our Instagram. Cool. Because uh, they have it online um, and you, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. They also had extensive work done refurbishing almost everything on the home but the foundation. Mm. During the renovation, the couple ended up getting divorced. And it was said the wife received the home in the settlement. It is rumored by the locals on the island that no one has seen her spend a single night in that home. Really? So I wonder, you know how ghosts don't like it when you change things? Yeah. So I wonder if her doing that huge... They got, she got driven out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear what you yeah. have. Well, welcome to New Orleans. Oh, awesome. New we're, Orleans. We're going down to Nola. 
<laughs> yeah. My mouth so, is starting to water. Yeah. I want some of that Creole. Creole and some Benet. I'm only going to be doing a couple of smaller stories because I figured the bigger ones we'll end up doing on later shows. Right. So I'm just going to stick to a couple smaller stories. But Sounds good. Yeah. So when I went to New Orleans and we stayed at the Hotel Monteleone, um, I don't know. I probably told you this story, but I'll tell it to you again so that all of our listeners can hear it. Me and my sisters and my brother-in-law, we stayed there at this hotel. And one night we were in bed. So it was a, a two queen bed room, you know, mm-hmm. room that we had. So my sister and her husband were in one bed and me and my other sister were in the other. And I remember I was having a hard time falling asleep. And I just couldn't seem to, it was kind of restless and maybe I had too much caffeine. I don't know. But I was laying there and I was just drifting off and I felt something hit the bed, like on top of the covers. So I just kind of barely opened my eyes and I saw a rat. Oh, and now let me just, let me just tell you the Hotel Monteleone is a fancy high end hotel. It's a nice hotel. It's not like a rat infested place. Right. But I see a rat and I go, Oh my God. And I jump up, I turn on the lights and everyone in the room is like, what, what's the matter? I go, and I look down and I don't see this rat. I go, I thought I just saw a rat on the bed. And they were like, what? So we all got up and we were looking all over the room for the rat and we can't find it. And I so said, you think you were dreaming. Well, I'm like, maybe I dreamt it. Maybe I just thought I saw a rat, but it wasn't a rat. Like, I don't know. But you heard the thump. I felt something hit the covers. Like I felt like a cat jumping on the bed or something. That's what it felt like. So that's what caused me to open my eyes. You and have it, a ghost rat in your room. It may have been a ghost rat. It absolutely could have been a ghost rat. So it jumps up. We see, I see it. Turn on the lights. Everyone freaks out. No rat. We can't find it. We look under the beds. We look everywhere. We can't find it. I'm like, okay, sorry, everyone. Let's go back to bed. I <laughs> I guess I didn't know what I saw. So we, we went back to bed. I went to sleep. And the next day... We get up and we go out to the um, elevator and we're standing there and this woman comes out of the door um, of the room next to ours. So she comes out pushing her stroller and she's got another little kid with her and she sees us and she goes, I'm so sorry. Did we keep you up late last night? And we were like, no. And she goes, it's just that our room was covered in rats and we had to get moved to a different room. Are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) And we were like covered in rats. There were rats all over our room. So we had to move to a different room and we were like, oh my God, I go, called it. There was a rat yes. in our room. But, but Carol, to your point, it could have been a ghost rat because as it turns out, a hotel Monteleon is filled with ghosts. Oh, I thought you were going to say, because you found out nobody had, was in that hotel room next to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She was a real person. Okay. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. New Orleans is, is a well-known rat city because it of its low elevation. Yep. The rats can't go underground. There is no underground. You're actually below sea level there, I believe. Mm-hmm. So rats tend to live in buildings because they're not going to go into the sewers or wherever there's nowhere for them to go so that's not i'm not this is not a strike against hotel monteleone it's a nice place and i would i would totally suggest people go they have a really cool um bar below um that is a carousel bar it's called Mm -hmm. so you go and you sit and it slowly rotates around oh it's kind of fun it's a circular bar it's really cool so we anyway, know about carousels rotating around. We do. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that this hotel is really pretty haunted, especially as it turns out by children. Children like to haunt this hotel. Okay. And if I had known that before I went, I probably would have chosen some other place. In the later part of the 1800s, there was a young boy that stayed there named Maurice 
Bejir, B-E-G-E-R-E. I'm going to go with the French Bejir. I like it. Uh, okay, good. Um, so he was there at the hotel with his parents, and it turns out that Maurice's parents really liked to attend the opera in New Orleans. Ooh, I like them already. Yes, so they were they were big into that, and I think that they were well-to-do because the Hotel Monteleon is kind of a nice hotel, and they had a nanny. So one night, uh, poor Maurice came down with a very bad illness. Um, but mom and dad were like, well, you know what? We're going to the opera kids. So the nanny will have to take care of you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. So they took off, they went to the opera, but poor Maurice's illness got much worse and his fever spiked really high. He ended up having a convulsion and he passed away. (gasps) While they were at the opera? While they were having the time of their life at the opera. I would never forgive myself. Right? Well, I don't think that they could because when they returned to the hotel and they found out that their son had died and there was nothing that nanny could have done, they were devastated, especially mom. Yeah. I think she felt a lot of guilt about the fact that they just went off to the opera. She told her husband every year, I think about the time he died, she wanted to go back and stay at the Hotel Monteleon. And go to the opera. And go, yeah, <laughs> go to the opera. Kidding. No, and just to be close to him because, yeah. you know, that's where he last was alive. So, And they do say that on the anniversary mm-hmm. of someone's passing is when they're most likely to make contact. Again. Yeah, I think that's In what she believed form. as well. Yeah, so she wanted to go back there and just hang out in case he made an appearance. So she did. And uh, one year she woke up in the middle of the night and she found Maurice standing by her bedside. And she was so overwhelmed, she started to cry. And he said, don't cry, Mommy. I'm fine. Oh, I love that story. It's a nice story. And so it turns out Maurice's mother is not the only person to have seen him in the hotel. Another guest named Phyllis Paulson was also staying at the Hotel Monteleon with her husband. They were resting in their hotel room on the 14th floor. Then her husband was like, I got to go to my business meeting. So he left. And I think she just kind of drifted off to sleep. And then after a while, she opened her eyes and she saw a boy standing at the foot of her bed. And he kind of turned and just walked to the door and walked out. And she thought, well, my husband must have not have shut the door all the way yeah. when he left. And that kid just came into my room. So she went out to check the door and the door was closed and she opened it and there was no one in the hall. And she's like, you know what? I think that that was Maurice. Wow. So she believes that that's because the boy was not standing in clothing of our time. Oh, I thought you were going to say he didn't have any clothes on. No, he did. Yeah. He just had period dress on. Yeah. So that's what gave her the idea that perhaps. As a ghost. And yeah. And they were on the 14th floor, which is the floor that he passed away on. Okay. So, so it might have even been the same room. It may have been. And maybe he thought that was his mom. And he's like, oh, no, you're not, Mom. I'm leaving now. Right. Bye-bye. Perhaps that's what was going on. So he's a trapped ghost. He is, but I don't think he's a mean ghost or anything. He's just a little kid trapped in the hotel. The International Society of Paranormal Research did a investigation of the hotel in 2003, which is funny because that's the same year I was there. And uh, they wanted to see what kind of ghostly activity lurked at this hotel. They said they determined at least 12 spirits inhabited the hotel. Whoa. And they pointed to the 14th floor, which actually is really the 13th floor because right, you know, they, they skipped, skipped, the, skipped floor, the number. Right. Yeah. They skipped the number. So they said the 14th floor is the most haunted one. 
um, in the hotel. And that, of course, is the same floor that Maurice Bridger had died on. So hmm. interesting. According to GhostCityTours.com, um, another couple staying at the hotel got into the elevator. They hit the button for their floor and then they proceeded to make out because they weren't really paying that much attention <laughs> to where the elevator was going. So, creepily enough, the elevator stopped at the 14th floor, which was not their floor, but they didn't realize it. So they got out onto the floor. They probably accidentally backed up into the button and pushed it, not realizing. Maybe they were pushing it several times and (laughs) I didn't realize it. So they they go out into the 14th floor and it's suddenly very dark and cold and they're like, hmm, a little bit chilled. This is weird, but we need to get back to our hotel room. We've got things to do. So they, (laughs) they clasp hands and they're walking down the the dark and scary hall and all of a sudden they turn the corner and there's all these children playing in the hallway and they're all in different uh, period dress and they're all having like they're just playing and interacting with each other so the couple stop and they're staring at them and each one of these kids stops and looks at them and when they do they disappear oh so they saw them briefly yeah that's so cool yeah. So they kind of, I think, made eye contact. And once that happened, the kids would disappear one by one. So the mm. couple was like, nope. And they turn around and they run back to the elevator and They're get like, the hell out of there. That killed the mood. Yeah. I, I don't Thanks, think, kids. I don't want to, I don't want to have sex anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hold each other in the fetal position now. Yeah. It was pretty scary. Uh. So then another woman, this is even a f- more fun story. She claimed that when she stayed at the hotel with her two daughters, who were both under the age of seven, that whenever they were trying to get to their room on the 15th floor, the elevator would always stop on the 14th floor. No way. So they, the daughters really didn't like this. They got the, you know, the heebie-jeebies every time the elevator stopped well, at the 14th absolutely. floor. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Most people would. So mom took them to their room on the 15th floor and she was like, that is kind of weird. So she left them in the room and she went back to the elevator and she practiced. She got into the elevator and she would go up and down and she hit their floor every time. No, she was playing the elevator game, which (laughs) you cannot do. Right. Well, in her instance, she went in there, she'd she'd go down to the lobby, she hit 15, the elevator would take her to 15, the doors would open. She practiced this several times, no problem. They would get to the 15th floor, the doors would open. She's like, it must have been a fluke. I don't know. It's like people's car. When you take it to the auto repair guy, it never makes the noise. Right, exactly, because it knows you're watching. It's like, there's nothing wrong with your car. I know. It was making that noise yeah. just on my way here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So she was like, this is this is dumb. So she goes back to the hotel room. She tells her daughters, it's a fluke. The elevator's fine. I went up and down several times. It always stops at the 15th floor. Not a big deal. So they're like, okay, mommy, we believe you. So they go out into New Orleans and they do their things, whatever they're there to do. They come back to the hotel. They get on the elevator. They hit number 15. And guess where the elevator goes? <laughs> number 14. Exactly. The the four with all the haunted children. So the my, children want them to that's join That's what them. I think. That's oh. what I think. They're like, come out and play with us little girls that's what I think my garden exactly and that's why I think those little girls were completely freaked out and so they told their mother after it happened again they were like we're taking the stairs from now on right yeah Yeah, because they knew they knew they're like this is creepy as fuck but they're (laughs) seven so they probably didn't say as fuck that's my contribution to the story so I like it thank you so that is the hauntings that I've got of the Hotel Monteleone but like I said 
It's a great hotel. The carousel bar is super cool. It's got a whole bunch of, um, it's actually a historical literary landmark because so many authors have stayed there and worked there and written things there, like famous people. So it's like a, it's a really well-known landmark. It's been around for a long time. And so you can deal with a couple rat ghosts. You're going to be fine. As long as they're ghosts. <laughs> not real Otherwise, rats. Otherwise, bring your cat with you. Yes, that's not a bad idea. If you don't want to deal with rats, just, you know what, they should rent cats out to the people. They really should. It used to be the thing. Uh, people would just keep an outside cat to yeah. fend off the rats that's in right. the cities of Paris and things like that. So My sister's cat, Betty, is sitting on Carol's lap right now. And I'm going to tell you something. Betty is one hell of a mouser. She's really good I at it. I can tell by your breath. <laughs> <laughs> She's really good. She likes to go outside and hunt. And then she likes to bring her kills out to show and share with the family. Look what I've done for you. And they're like, good job, Betty. So my next story is the wandering statue of Metairie. Ooh. Metairie. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. So the Metairie Cemetery, which is about five miles outside of the French Quarter of New Orleans, is home to a special kind of ghost. So the story goes that a woman named Josie Arlington, who was born and raised in New Orleans in the mid-1800s, grew up to become a prostitute, thanks in part to a boyfriend named Philip Lebrano. He introduced her to the profession, you see. In 1890, Josie's brother and her beau, Philip, got into a heated argument to which Philip shot her brother in the face. Sounds like a great guy. <laughs> yeah, he was um, He, he was, was something. prize to, to bring he home. Was such a catch for, for Josie. Anyway, um, her brother died a few days later, so the brother actually held on for a little bit. Lebrano was brought up on murder charges, but he was eventually acquitted. This, however, did not stop Josie from breaking ties with Philip and moving on with her life. Good job, Josie. Yeah. You shot and killed my brother. I don't want to see you anymore, you asshole. So anyway, she moved on. Um, she decided, though, that she would prefer to be a madame than a prostitute so she can make her money quite literally off the backs of the other girls. <laughs> okay, Smart, Josie. Yeah, she's smart. She therefore purchased... She had high goals for herself. She did. She sure did. Well, back in those days, you know, there wasn't a lot of ways for a woman to make money. So, got to do what works. So, she purchased a 16-bedroom house in the Storyville district of New Orleans. Wow. Hired a bunch of exotic girls from other countries and put an open-for-business sign on her front porch. Josie catered to the most wealthy and powerful men in New Orleans at the time. Her ladies were beautiful, educated, and demanded a very high price. Men could visit and be entertained by the ladies individually, or they could attend the sex circus that a was sex circus yeah, that was also offered at Josie's establishment. So Josie made a lot of money in this racket. As Josie was rising in the world of prostitution, she ended up beginning a new relationship with a new guy that worked in the treasurer's office. His name was John Thomas Brady, or Tom Brady, as his friends called him. Did he like football? Apparently, he was devastatingly handsome and had a wicked throwing arm. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, right? However, even with all her wealth and her fancy new boyfriend, Josie was never really invited, nor was she accepted into high society. Perhaps it was because of her choice of profession, or perhaps because many high society husbands were clients of Josie's, or because she was involved with the scandal around her brother's murder. However, Josie decided that she was going to have in death what she couldn't have in life, prestige. So she ponied up 2K, 
for a plot in the Metairie Cemetery or the Metairie Cemetery and another 5K for a tomb of marble and granite to be erected as your final resting place. I wonder what that equates to money-wise today because that's probably a lot of money. I would think it's probably in the hundreds of thousands, but I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Atop of the tomb were stone flames, and at the door of the tomb was a statue of a young lady carrying flowers in her arms and pushing the door of the tomb open. Hmm. The belief was the girl represented a virgin, and she was trying to seek entrance into Josie's brothel. However, Josie declared that none of the women who worked for her were virgins when they came to her, and she was not responsible for any of the girls becoming spoiled in her employment. They already were. So she had morals. She wanted to purport that she had morals or show that she did, but who knows? So when Josie was only about 50 years old, she succumbed to illness and she passed away. Her body was laid to rest in the tomb that she had constructed. However, her beau, Tom Brady, and her niece, Anna, had been having an affair. <gasps> and a week, only a week, Carol, after Josie died, they got married. How dare they? I know. So disrespectful. Poor Josie, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. God damn it, Anna. You finicky little niece getting your hands in there on my man. So mm -hmm. bad. You know what they say, those who can't cut it become madams. <laughs> well, there you go. She didn't have the goods. <laughs> so you're saying she was flat-chested? <laughs> no, I was just saying. Yeah, she was like, ah, I'll do better as a as an, a business owner. Well, yeah, I think maybe that's probably true for her. After their union became official, the people of Norland started to notice some rather odd things happening around Josie's tomb. The stone torches would flicker with red light. And um, yeah, I like the red light reference. Yeah, so they're the the probably the flames of her rage were yes. <laughs> a flicker above her tomb. Anna and Tom, meanwhile, were out having the time of their life with all of her money that she had left, I think, to Tom and maybe to Anna too. So they were out there like high rolling, like blowing her money all over town. Eventually, they ran out of the money because they didn't know how to manage it very well. And a bunch so, of losers. So you know what they fucking did? They sold Josie's tomb no. to somebody else for the money. And they had her body moved to another part of the cemetery. That is awful. That is so cold. Josie, please tell me you're haunting them. She should be. Because first of all, they're having an affair behind her back. A week after she's dead. I mean, obviously Tom was playing her for her money. She, yeah. And maybe she died under weird circumstances. Maybe they poisoned her to death. I don't know. It's very suspicious. It's very suspicious. So she dies, leaves him, I think, the money. He marries Anna, and then they go blow it. And then they have, we need more money. Let's go back to our cash cow, Josie, even though she's dead. And we'll just have her moved out of her tomb and sell it to somebody else. Rude. So now there's a different name on the tomb, and I can't remember now who it is. But anyway, it's pretty fucking cold. So after they sold the tomb and they moved her body, the people that lived near the cemetery started to hear pounding on the door of the tomb, as if Josie was trying to get back inside. And several witnesses started seeing the statue of the young woman trying to enter the tomb, leave the tomb, and walk around the cemetery. No. Yeah. And at least two grave diggers could attest to seeing the Get statue. Get out of town. Leave the tomb and wander around the cemetery. And that is messed up. Indeed, the statue Carol has been found throughout various parts of the cemetery in the daylight hours. It's like the wandering gnomes. 
Yeah. This statue is found in various places. People have seen the statue moving around and they found it in various places and had to put it back. Oh, hell no. Isn't that great? Josie. Josie girl. Yeah. Now when they come visit the tomb, just bash him on the head with your statue. Do you think that if Tom Brady, the football player, went to New Orleans to visit that cemetery, that the statue would attack him? I'm just wondering if Tom Brady has reincarnated and to this football player, and he once was this woman's lover and took all of her money and, and blew it. I mean, Tom Brady does have a reputation of leaving women for another woman. <laughs> I know. I was kind you know, of thinking yeah, that. I didn't yeah. want to draw the parallels. So maybe Anna is that Giselle Bunchen or whatever her name is. <gasps> and um, the other chick is is Josie. Um, Claire, what was her name? Bridget Monahan. 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 So maybe Bridget Monahan was Josie. Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, and um, Anna was Giselle. Am I seeing her name right? Is it Giselle or Giselle? Uh, <laughs> I think it's Giselle. Giselle. Yeah. For Jezebel. For I'm gonna steal your husband, bitch. Bitch. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't know. I think we should. I think we should just like have people lure Tom out to the cemetery and see what happens. He lives in Tampa Bay, Florida now. It's not that far from New Orleans. Mm-mm. I've heard that like strange things will happen to people like freak accidents of yeah. like things falling on them. It could happen. Interesting. But we mean no ill will to the real Tom Brady. We don't? No. I mean, here's the thing. I know he's the best quarterback of all time. But I'm so ready for some John other. John Elway is the best quarterback of all time. I don't. I don't John agree. John Elway. Anyway, my last <laughs> my last story about New Orleans that I will bring with you, bring with you, bring for, bring, bring to forth. you, bring resurrect, forth, bring forth into the into the uh, stratosphere is um, about one of my favorite actors, Nicolas Cage. That is one of your favorite you actors. Don't like no Nicolas Cage. What no. do you not like about him? I, I love him. I I think he's like responsible for stealing like the national treasure, <laughs> the Declaration you, of Independence. You watch too many movies. Plus, he's such a dork. He had so much money, and he like basically went broke. There's a reason for that. Mismanaging all his properties. What There's, is his reason? There, I'm going to tell you. Oh, it's paranormal <laughs> in nature. Oh my God, are you kidding yeah, me? No, don't okay. blame Nicholas for oh. his downfalls. All right, <laughs> let's hear the story. He has no personal accountability in this. Yeah. Okay, okay. So he is a huge fan of Norlands. He shot several movies down there. Um, He said that when he's there, he feels both blessed and cursed at the same time. I can tell. So he even bought one of the most notoriously haunted and darkly historical homes in New Orleans, the LaLaurie Mansion. Now, LaLaurie Mansion in itself is its own episode, so I'm not going to go into detail. Plus, it's been done by a ton of podcasts. Which means we have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's a, a creepy story. But what I'll I will tell you is that he bought this house in New Orleans and it the backstory behind it very briefly is a woman named Delphine LaLaurie and her husband lived there and they were known to treat their servants who were of course slaves in a very dark and disturbing ways. Um, ghostcitytours.com actually gives a really great thoroughly researched account of the story in fact I learned a lot of things on their website that I did not know but because of the notorious history of the mansion it tends to be one of the biggest stops on the agenda for most ghost tours throughout New Orleans oh interesting it's a big one Um, that being said it was known that one of the slave girls that lived there Leah 
died at the mansion under mysterious circumstances. So according to ghostcitytours.com, during one of the ghost tours stopped at the mansion, they noted how the gaslit lamps were out and had been for a while. So if you've been in New Orleans, and I'm sure you probably mm-hmm. remember, most of the buildings around there have gaslit lamps. Yeah, they're cool So looking. they're really cool looking. And very so, atmospheric. Yeah, and very makes you feel like you're back in time. Mm-hmm. You know, when the city was first constructed and everything's like lit with natural gas and it's pretty cool. Um, so that they went to the LaLaurie mansion and the gaslit lanterns were out. So the tour guide had explained that to the group. And so when she got to the story about Leah, the first time that she said the girl's name, all of a sudden the gaslit lamps lit up. Nice. That is so cool. Isn't that cool? Um, so it's, some of the It's mem- like Harry Potter and yeah, Dumbledore. <laughs> right? Magic. There you go. So, and I don't know, maybe the tour company had it set up for this. I doubt it, but it, it's kind of fun that this happened. So when the, the gaslit lamps lit up, the crowd goes, ooh, ah, like that's so creepy, right? Mm-hmm. So as she proceeded with the story, she said Leah's name for a second time and the lamps blew out completely. Okay, that is kind of fun. That's got to be staged. That's so cool. Probably. It probably is. But um, so now uh, let's see whether that's a coincidence or an actual ghost. I don't know, but it's kind of a cool effect. Mm-hmm. However, the LaLaurie Mansion is said to be so cursed that most people do not own the house for more than five years. Really? In fact, Nicholas Cage only owned the home for two years before he lost it to bankruptcy in 2009. Many people have attributed this and the downfall of his career to the curse of the LaLaurie Mansion. <gasps> oh, wow. I did not know there was a paranormal side to his mm-hmm. downfall. That's Well, that's one possibility. So I personally think that he, from what I've read, and I don't know a tremendous amount about him, but um, it sounds like based on the things that he bought, for example, he bought an octopus because it what? gave him acting, um, it gave him an acting muse. I don't know. So he's superstitious. He he buys weird shit. He buys really expensive things. He has no ability to really manage his money well. And so he blows yeah. through it really fast. Mm-hmm. And then he has to Steal take jobs. National artifacts. That. But he also has treasure. to um, take on <laughs> acting jobs that maybe he wouldn't normally have taken because mm-hmm. he needs the money. That's right. what I think okay. that he's doing. Nicholas Cage was not done with New Orleans, though, after he lost the LaLaurie house. In 2009, Cage also paid $40,000 to have a pyramid-shaped tomb erected in St. Louis Cemetery Number no. 1, another major tourist stop in New Orleans. A pyramid? It's a pyramid. Have you well, never seen suspicious. it? that's suspicious. It's a big pyramid-shaped tomb and on the pyramid are the words omnia ab uno which is latin meaning everything from one and though he has never publicly shared why he had the tomb built it has not stopped tourists from visiting the tomb and leaving lipstick kisses all over it (laughs) lipstick kisses he also shares the cemetery with the famous voodoo queen of new orleans Marie Laveau, which also is another yeah, uh, story idea. I, I know. She's very much a, a told ghost story of yeah. her whole yeah. um, episode she's got during some, that time of New Orleans. She's got some good stories in there. And I wonder if he built that as his future tomb. Yes. So here's the other part of that story. Um, in 2011, a man named Jack Mord 
try to sell a photo for $1 million of a Tennessee man taken in 1870 by a Civil War photographer. The man looks just like Nicolas Cage. <gasps> I was going to say there's a conspiracy about him being a time traveler or an immortal like vampire or something. He looks just like him. That's remarkable. Isn't that amazing? His nose is a little bit crooked, but that's really the only thing that's off. Yeah, that and even like the slight downturn of his ear. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is totally Nicolas Cage. It's totally Nicolas Cage. So anyway. So he's immortal. So, no, not exactly. Um, kind of though. Um, Mord believes it is Cage, and he told people that he thinks the man we know as the actor Nicolas Cage is actually a vampire and will quote-unquote die in his 70s or 80s in modern times, but in actuality, he will just rejuvenate and come back as a young person and start all over again. To this rumor, and this is the best part, Nicolas Cage has said that he checks his reflection in the mirror every morning to make sure he is still there, <laughs> and he assures us that he is. Therefore, he thinks the vampire rumors are not true, as vampires have no reflection. But he also likes to keep the mystery alive, so he ended the inquiry into his vampirism by just saying, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, and if, if he is superstitious, mm -hmm. you know... So, he might have seen that picture and been like, well, maybe I yeah, am immortal. Yeah. Maybe I am. So my theory is, is the pyramid tomb is for him to go into and rejuvenate to become younger Nicolas Cage and then come back and start over as a new person and a new set of people. So yeah. when he's 75, 80, he'll pass away. And then like in like 15 years or something, he'll come back. He'll be a young man and he'll start all over because most of the people who would have known him would have passed away. Right. So, yeah. So there you go. Nicolas Cage. And hopefully he'll get better parts in movies this and time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, those are just some of the uh, cute little stories I got on New Orleans. Um, like I said, Hotel Monte Leon. I've stayed there. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a really fun trip. There, if you're into the paranormal, it's one of the top cities to go to because it is so rich and in And all history. the voodoo. Yes. We haven't even gotten We haven't gotten voodoo. to voodoo at all. We haven't touched that yet. So, yeah, there you go. That's New Orleans. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank and, you for um, your stories as well. Oh, you're welcome. That's it for us, you guys. Have a good night. Toodaloo. Bye. We talk about Amy a lot. We do talk about Sorry. Amy. We talk about Amy probably more than any of my other friends. It's so funny. Uh, hi, Amy. Yeah, it's so funny. Boob grabber. Yes. She had she had quite the pair right here. Ooh. Yeah. So that was my experience. Well, let's cut all of that out, Josh. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But yeah, no, oh, by all means. I'm excited God. to hear your oh story. God. Oh, my God. Leave it all in, Josh. That's Leave horrible. It all in. Oh, I don't want to talk no, about New Orleans I know anymore. it's terrible. It was. <laughs> oh, shit. That's a great opening. Okay. <laughs> See if I can follow that up. <laughs> And according to another story from ghostcitytours.com, if she's um, annoying, you can always put her down. She's a very affectionate kitty. Metairie. Well, I'm going to go with Metairie because that's what it looks like uh, phonetically. So um, is it phonetically or phonetically? It's phonetically. Phonetically, yeah. yeah okay. Phonetically. <laughs> oh my God, that's, that's funny. I don't even know how to say that <laughs> word correctly. Okay. So the Metairie Cemetery. Where's our linguistic person when we yeah, need him? Josh, where are you? Is it lycanthropy or is it lycanthropy? <laughs> <laughs>
The story goes that a woman named Josie Arlington, who was born and raised in New Orleans in the lit in the mid. I will say that again. <laughs> That's okay. This chair is so comfy. It's nice, isn't it? It's making me. It's making me just really Sleepy. enjoy enjoy these stories. Good, good. It's too bad we talk don't have a, away. Talk too bad away. we don't have a crackling fire going on because that would I be know, that would be even and a glass of cognac. Oh wait, we hands. do. It's oh, that's right. The, we do uh, have a fire. Uh, what am are. I saying? I forgot it was sitting right in front of and us. And we have s'mores. What are you talking about? And owls and, and wolves are with us. That's right. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I forgot about that. <laughs> As Josie was rising in the world of prostitution, she ended up becoming... Um, no, no. As Josie... <laughs> no, <was> no. <laughs> no, no. However, Josie declared that none of the women who worked for her were ever virgins. And therefore... I'm sorry. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. Um... As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.